Welcome to the Finding Backcountry Podcast with your host, Dustin Whitwer. I am Dustin Whitwer, and this is the Finding Backcountry Podcast. Follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. All right, hopefully we're rolling. I'm uh, doing an on-site. I don't get a lot of guests in person anymore. It's nice. It's a nice, uh, nice throwback. Um, here with my longtime best buddy, Mark Smith, at the Western Hunt Expo. We're back. We're back, man. It's been what two years now. Yeah, this, this, yeah. We skipped a year. This yeah. would have been my twelfth year coming to the show. It's my eleventh year, but we skipped a year. So, yep, yep. Stupid right COVID. Stupid. But man, you can tell it's this place is just buzzing. Huh? You can tell everybody missed it because uh, it's all it's Saturday morning. It's noon now, but yeah. even when I got here at ten, it was elbow to elbow in every aisle this morning. Yeah, Expo's always a good time, man. Yeah, I love it. Um, <clears throat> I'm not even. You know, with my job, and I'm gonna I'm gonna post while I'm talking here. Is that bad? No. Um, with my job, you know, we we come to the um, trade show here, and we uh, have a booth, obviously, and we have a booth at a lot of other trade shows too. And so I've been to quite a few other trade shows and got the weekend off, basically. Yeah. Right. Because um, it's you know it's I love them, but it's draining. Yeah, and, yeah. When it's your when it's your day job, man, it's a lot different than when it's just uh, going for fun, right? Right. And so I had this one off, but I still couldn't stay away, and yeah, yeah, <laughs> decided yeah. to. It's just a great show, man. Yeah, decided to come down, and um, man, the guys here at uh, so set the set the mood here. We're in the Gulo Outdoors. Is that what you call yourself, Gulo Outdoors? Gulo yeah. Outdoors. I had to ask while ago. They're Gulo Stalkers, and uh, yeah, I, they're. Have you looked at them yet? World famous. Yeah, they're, they're super well, cool. too, they're friends. They're like, they're like my cousins from New Mexico, right? I've known these guys since they were kids. Yeah. We all grew up together down there in the Four Corners. They started this thing, and uh, they gave me some to give away my seminar yesterday, and they're absolutely, they're next level, man. They're next level stalkers, you know? Like, I was an old Sneaky Pete guy. Remember the Sneaky Pete's you used to get from PSE back in the day? <laughs> but you get all the mud clogged up and the rocks in the bottom of all that stuff. Well, these are next level from that, man. They're amazing. Well, what I love about, you know, not for a sales pitch to start off here, but what I love about these and, and uh, the Warners is, like, these are just built out of necessity. You know, these you can tell that it's just something that they needed yeah and they perfected and then decided to bring a product to market so yep. you and could, it's all and it's all usa made that's what i love too they got they made sure all their materials come from usa and they're made right in new mexico yeah. so it's awesome well it won't be officially a podcast until oh man i already cracked mine i'm on i'm a top again yeah i'm the freshman i'm a rookie you already i'm a uh first time uh uh-huh i'm a i'm a dyed in the wool mountain ops guy drink it every day but i'm fixing to drink a monster zero ultra so that i can be like you and shed crazy (laughs) what do you what do you score let's get a score hang on let's get a score on the podcast give an assessment don't be an amateur it's full body (laughs) it's a little dry okay a little dry crisp i'm gonna give that uh how's a drink dry (laughs) Uh, don't drink a lot of champagne, do you? Nope. <laughs> Just so that I'm not like trying to be a copycat and give it like a 9.3 every time, like shed crazy every single time. <laughs> I'm going to be a little conservative like you. I'm going to give this a solid 8.6. Wow. Well, I was asked today if I had to choose one energy drink to drink every day. Yeah. And that was my answer. White, white monster. Yeah. So. I don't know much about them, but I know 10 is the best you can get. So 8.6 is about the best I can do, that's bro. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've got a bucked up strawberry kiwi. And these are always, these are sleepers, man. Like, it's faint. It could be, you know, they could they could enhance it a little bit. And that's that's the, the line you walk when you're running zero calories. <laughs> what are we talking you know, about? It? We got yeah. no... We got okay. Not not a hard not a hard hitting uh, flavor, but it's it's good and it's there. So yeah. 
Well, that's good, man. I, get, I appreciate you buying it for me. It had to be a couple of dollars anyway. Yeah, I'm going to score this. I'm going to put this at like a 7, 8. <laughs> okay. So I'll give it. All right. Well, this is tasty. Very good. You know, yeah. Travis, my son, should get in on the um, – he, he brews his own home brew, right? There you go. And he knows all about flavors and tastes and finishes and all this. And he's an energy drinking – that guy doesn't operate without at least like two C4s by noon. Oh, God. Yeah, he's next level. He should get in with you and Shed Crazy on that thing and start <laughs> give, dropping some uh, score bombs with you. More the merrier. Yeah. Get in it. Awesome, man. Well, this is cool, man. Um, God, we, uh, when's the last time we were on a podcast together? Uh, right after I, I think the last one I did with you was after the big hunt with hit with the Warners here and Duggar when we killed the two bucks in 19. Oh, yep. I don't think we did one last year. Um, but you know what, man? I want to, I want to, I'm glad we're having this. There's something fresh on my mind. You're absolutely one of my best friends. Basically, you're like family to me, and I love you. You know that. Like, you're just you one of my favorite pe- human beings. And, and, uh, I don't, I like doing podcasts, but I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, and I absolutely don't like to listen to my own. I listen to them one time to see how much stupid stuff I say, and then I move on, right? Yes. And I'm going to be honest with you. I've listened to a couple of your other podcasts, but I had a long road trip to West Texas last week. I am 100% caught up to every podcast you've ever done, and I can look you in the eye and tell you that. And because I, I was texting you like on the road, I hey, just listened to this one. I just and you're probably going, "What is he doing?" Well, I, that that explains the the doubling of my downloads over the last. <laughs> <laughs> but I listened to him, and I went back, man. Number one episode I did with you, I was like your third guest, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And I said. I told you then, we were talking about Tommy Young and the five-year-old bucks, and I should only be killing them, and he only killed one. And I was like, Dustin, if I ever get one, I would just be happy, and that's my goal. I did it this year. So I I went back and listened to that, remembering then in 2017 how much it would mean to me to get that buck that I just got in East Texas this year, and I did it, man. <laughs> and so if you listen to how passionate I was about how bad I wanted it, and then if you like listen to that Southern Outdoorsman podcast when I'm so passionate about I did it, those two things align. They match. And uh, it, was, it was amazing, man, to go back and listen to myself that many years ago setting out to, for this goal, right, to get accomplished, and then to get it. I, I don't know what I'm trying to say here other than admit, it almost made me cry a little bit when I went back and listened <laughs> to it. It was really awesome. <laughs> Well, these, these are, you know, it's, it's the podcast platform is cool because they age very well. I yeah. feel like, you know, a, an Instagram post, it's hard to go back and remember the feeling and the emotions that you had when you posted, you know, just some random cockamamie BS, you know, that you put up one day right. back in 2013 or whatever. But like podcasts, it's like you're back there, you know, yeah. and you're, you can pull it back up and you can relive that, you know, all the emotion and your voice and your tone and you know, you're after your goals and stuff. And so I, I'm really, you know, it's not something I understood when I started the podcast. Um, right. You right. know, it was just, it was just purely selfish and it still is. Um, <laughs> right. Cause I, I have an excuse to come and sit and talk with, you know, good friends and guys like you that know more about um, big mule deer than I do. <laughs> I well, say mule deer, like this is slowly morphing into a mule deer specific podcast. You were podcast. absolutely I'm a mule deer f- hater, elk <laughs> snob when I met you. I now know. you're a mule deer guy, and I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Don't believe know, it. You know something else? I, 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 when I listen to those podcasts too, the ones I did with you, something I notice about myself is like I get, I get really animated and excited, and man, I just get going. And I listen to some of your other guests, and they sound so smart. Like they use real eloquent words. Their <laughs> cadence is calm, like Ryan Lampers. He's a professional, right? That he talks, and then some of these guys you talk to, and Duggar is so eloquent. And I'm just like, <laughs> I tell all these stories, but I actually impressed myself with some of the things I said in the early ones when I was new to podcasting, I would be careful of what I said. I would be thinking about things and it would be good. Right. Nowadays, when I get on them, I just start blah, 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 blah. And it's who I am. But I think I've gotten so comfortable. I just say whatever. And I, I really want to like, when so, I have to remember, not everybody's mine and your friend. Someone's actually listening to gain something from this, you know, like this. <laughs> and so I, I want to make sure I'm giving good information, not just yeah. being, it's good to be just me all the time. I get that part, but man, I want to make sure that I slow down and I get to the points that I want to make and I don't repeat myself so much. And when I, that's one thing I noticed about myself is when I'm trying to make a really good point, I'll repeat the same thing like three times because I'm trying to paint you a picture, you know? And I think if you just say it once, they got it and move on, right? So I learn as I go too, man. No, it's, it's the Texan coming out in you. That's why, <laughs> that's why everybody loves you. Yeah, yeah. I was giving uh, Randy Ulmer 
on rock slide one time we were doing the um cold the cold bow challenge one shot a day whatever and he wouldn't get his posted and i'd tell him robbie tell that old you this that the other whatever and then yeah randy elmer comes back and tells robbie denny he goes tell that texan he's uh He's all he's all hat and no cattle, <laughs> and uh, I, I don't I own neither. Well, I do own a cowboy hat, but I don't have any cattle. But anyway, well, it's a good time. That's me, yeah. all hat and no cattle. Yeah, well, you got llamas, so whatever. Yes. I got Boone. I got dogs. <laughs> I do. I did finally pick up a horse, so I do have my own horse now. Yeah, I think I heard that or saw that or something. Yeah, Poncho. He's a good boy. Yeah. Well, um, the theme of today, I mean, you've you've got your uh, and and this will obviously air much after your seminar and so if you didn't you know if, if you were at the western hunt expo and you didn't make it to Mark's seminar then shame on you yeah. and if you didn't come to the western hunt expo then next year you need to come but um because it's just it's like a i walk around in here and it's like a class reunion so yeah. to speak you know of, like right now look there's all the Duggar's, <clears throat> there's Duggar's brother right there that's yeah. larry you know larry yeah yeah larry and the boys yep class guys yeah. So it's it's a good place to catch up, kind of a central meetings meeting area that we come to every year. But yeah, um, the 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 seminar though is man, it's like it's where you and I kind of hit it off the very first time years ago, and that's where you're going to be talking um, later today about solitary big bucks. Did I catch yeah, that hunting solitary bucks in areas that you know for years I drug everybody in the backcountry with us. And everybody's getting on me now because the back country's full. So I'm fixing to drag everybody out back to the roads because that's where the biggest bucks are living these days. The hey, bucks figured it out, man. I love the theme because let's let's get rid of the the you know the cool factor of hunting the back country so I can have that to myself again. Yeah, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> you remember those days, man? That's why I used to go there to get away from people. It's then, nuts, man. Then then you get you get Eastman's going, TV shows going, podcasts going, and all this great success. Then all of go, a sudden, yeah, go hunt and you know all the filters on Onyx and you know yeah epic outdoors talking about this and that and all of a sudden it's like everybody's getting the same data from everywhere and they all end up 17 miles deep in the you know the most roadless yep. portion of the unit or whatever so right what uh what's some of the key highlight reels of this uh, uh keying in on food like one of the things i talk about in the in the seminar is uh and how the big buck that we're going to talk about that i didn't kill this year that i went down there to kill um he's living right by the highway i mean I don't, it was just a couple hundred yards from the main highway going through the area I was hunting when we got that buck on his feet. And the thing is, is we got intel that buck was there because, you know, that's well country, gas wells, oil wells out there. And people were seeing the buck, but people on the highway, the buck going out to feed. When they, when they do road construction, road work, they reseed, right? All this great feed and interior edges. I'm learning a lot about interior edges when I hunt whitetails and I'm starting to transfer it over into mule deer hunting. Interior edges outside of like real, real thick JP and or PJ and stuff like that. Um, some of these interior edges that get sunlight at the edges of thick bedding areas, some of your best feed, right? Mm, and so right on these canyons, so all these roads were cut through canyons and these canyons are they're in they're what i would consider interior edges they're edges of you know and, and deer are edge animals they feed off the edge and so highways with the reseed from the state when they have to when they do construction if they if they tear down an old well location or if they build a pipeline or a power line they reseed that and that's great feed for deer and elk now deer are gra- browsers on you know woody browse they still eat grasses also and there's great feed where they'll graze at night and some of that grass and so people had seen that buck feeding right by the highway and, dude, it's not like I literally could have hunted that buck in Crocs where I was at. I never had to hike. I didn't have to put a pack on. I didn't have to do anything hardcore. I could, and, a matter of fact, I was wearing my Krispies. These right here, my these uh, Ativas. Ativas. I was wearing them every day with no pack, just my gun, and because uh, we would drive and, and walk and hike and look for tracks and just trying to get – because I was hunting that specific buck, right? So the takeaway of that is the buck was living – I hunted that buck where he was, not where I wanted to romantically go kill <laughs> one of the back country. I was trying to kill him where he lived, which was right by the highway. Well, you know, from back in my elk days, like you mentioned, um, you know, you learn real quick that elk are big and they usually travel in groups and they they don't like – People, they don't like the interaction. They don't like people. They don't like that proximity, call it, right? Right. And they, they will literally get as far back and away and 
they just don't like it. They're you're you're typically not going to see a big bull bedded, you know, 200 yards off a highway. Right. Mule deer have a different mindset generally. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. But they they just want to feel like no one can see them. Yeah. And they or that they're safe and they literally don't care, right? right? Yeah. I mean, they smell humans all day long. They hear you banging, clanging, working, you know, especially like in that New Mexico stuff. Bucks are out there guys are working banging clanging trucks going back and forth and and then there was no um there was no consequence to that so they never they never experienced any consequence to those vehicles so it doesn't bother them they still know that's a human being and then you know a week out of the year somebody comes over and shoots at us but you know it's not right now so yeah. you know i think there's a muzzle loader hunting there a rifle hunting there and that's it as far as gun hunts there's only 10 well, days of gun hunting in that unit and so they only associate that danger with that now big bucks are big bucks they know what danger is but the deer, they're, the mule deer especially, uh, they're pretty tolerant of encroachment. Did you, you hunted, you've hunted the Colorado backcountry, high country quite a bit. <clears throat> Did you have the same uh, association with like the hikers back there? Like, did you ever have instances where big bucks were in close proximity to a trail where a when lot I of hikers? close to Denver, close to I-70, the deer were a lot more tolerant. Big bucks are always going to be big bucks. But the does, young bucks, they're a lot more tolerant. I mean, back then, that's why I wish back then, to answer that specifically, I wish I'd have been recurve hunting back then. <laughs> but I was trying to build a name for myself, right? So I was trying to hunt big animals. I was on my way to being becoming who I am. So I only wanted to kill nice stuff, right? So I compound hunted. But back then, when I was hunting in those units closer to Denver, man, I could have killed so many nice three points and four horns my recurve, like walking on hiking trails on bucks out in the ferns eating at 15 20 yards it wouldn't even pick yeah. their heads up now i go into a wilderness area of colorado or some of the hardcore areas that are five six miles back in you don't see a lot of hiker they don't see enough hikers to condition themselves to associate you as a hiker they just know that's a human they're going to run right it's different for me right so you, you mentioned feed was there anything else specifically on this buck that Oh, you know, and, and we're kind of crossing over between what you're going to bring up in your seminar and the, and this actual hunt story that I'm yeah. going to pull out of you later. But I mean, is there any other like key takeaways that you're going to bring up at the seminar here as far as kind of hunting these solitary? Yeah. So I'm going to talk <clears throat> about rifle hunting deals, um, getting, uh, getting bucks up, you know, hunt, when, when you, I'm going to talk about Duggar's big buck he killed in 2019, how we got one trail cam picture of him at a water hole one time. So we know all we needed to know that deers existed, right? All we need to know is that deer is here. He's alive. Then we're just going to break down the topography to go find that deer. And that deer lived by himself as a solo. He did not want to associate. He did not live with a forking horn. You know, I always call them little C&I forking horns. <laughs> they kind of got, they go just kind of hanging <laughs> with them. They have a bedded buddy to kind of watch their backs. This buck didn't have that. So we knew he was a loner, lived by himself. And if we find him, we will kill him. And what, that's, do you, what do you think it is when those big bucks get into that mode where they just decide to go, you know, completely off by themselves? Like uh, they get, and, and I'm not a biologist or a scientist. I'm just a guy that with 35 years of experience hunting them, but I just think they become less social the older they get. Um, I, you know, kind of, even we as men, we get a little less social. Uh, you, you, there's only certain people you want to associate with. But circle, when you're young, circle gets a lot smaller. You, yeah. When you're a yeah. young buck, you're, but you know, you get them out of high school, you come out of elementary, you come out of junior high, uh, college if you go to college and then your your life your friends it, it, the older you get it seems like the less friends you have but the the better quality friends you have <laughs> and deer uh big mule deer uh they seem less social uh and another thing i talk about is doe groups like uh i'm starting to see a pattern with the big mature whitetails where i hunt in texas and i can compare it right to the mule deer too you could go out in like uh let's you know like northern new mexico where we archery hunt the late season hunts right no secret they're garbage now don't even go they're just <laughs> they're just garbage we're starting to, you know those youth hunts are just mowing down all the mature deer they used to be an amazing hunt in january but you could go out in december on a, i mean i can remember so many sundays me and duggar would go out and put around on his day off and look at giant bucks and just start trying to pattern them right then the hunt would come you'd never see them but then doe groups would show up like, but the rut was actually going on in December. So you'd see bucks head bobbing, 200 inch bucks out head bobbing with does, right? There. Well, there's no hunt going on then. But when the hunt started in January, there would be doe groups where that buck was, but the buck would never show himself ever. I think does want to be bred 
by the best genes in the herd, and that's in any species, right? I think doe, I don't think you see the big old mature bucks out chasing. It's true in whitetails. We never see big mature whitetail bucks on their feet where I hunt chasing does. You see the two, three, and four-year-old bucks doing all that stuff. But the does go to the thickets, and they go in that thick, thick stuff and let the big bucks breed them. And they don't have all that. Because a big buck's not going to put up with all that. He'll kick their He'll run off all the little bucks. So the does just avoid all the tension. They just go into the thicket, get bred, and go right back out and let the bucks chase them around. Nothing's happening. I believe that what was that's what we saw all those years in New Mexico and didn't understand that. Yeah. The doe groups would show up on these ridges these giant bucks lived in. So, like, now if I ever got that tag, I would literally go into the thickest, thickest part of that stuff, pick up a track, and, and try to just hunt them there. So that's one of the things I'm going to talk about, too, is just the big bucks just want to be alone, left alone. They don't want to be caught up in the shenanigans of chasing and the rutting activity. They're, they're going to do all the breeding. You're just not going to see all that. And it's probably at nighttime anyway. Yeah. But Robbie's going to hit on rut hunting. So I really don't – I mean, I don't want to – that's his theme this year. Mine's just solitary bucks. But Robbie Denning is going to do a seminar right after me, and his is going to be rut activity, rut tactics. Mine is just this solitary buck deal. And it's just – you know, I've been doing this for 12 years here, and I try to come up – what I do, what I've told everybody is, what's your story about this year? And that's what it is. The first three or four years I came here, I was trying to teach you how to hunt the backcountry with a backpack and a bow and arrow. Then one year I did a shooting seminar about archery, and then I've done tracking, right? I've given you all the ways I like to hunt. But then the last few years, it's turned into, I come to this show, and I just tell you last year's hunting story, and here's the highlights, here's what the takeaways are. Well, and that turns out to be a great deal. That's always the best content and the best value to give someone, because you're actually, you lived it. You know, it's not, it's not theory and principle. Yeah. It's real life. Hey, this is what happened. This is what I learned. This is what I'm going to do better next time. What do you guys think? You know, yeah, and then yeah, we- absolutely. <clears throat> I'm going to force you. I- if it's the last thing I do, you're going to be done at 30 minutes so that you can open it up to Q&A this yeah. time. Yeah, I tried yesterday. I got real close. Yeah, well, yeah. I wasn't here yesterday. Yeah, you got my back today, yeah. man. You could sit in the front row and help run interference because okay. Sean's up tubing somewhere. So <laughs> so, so you you catch some intel. Um, you know, I, I just had Duggar on the podcast. I mean, he's kind of running that neck of the woods, so I assume he was – involved in helping i'm just so let's pick back up on that on that buck right so yeah you you guys have a little intel that he's somewhere in the area what's your you you're you're attacking a how big of a how big of an area would you say you start with two square miles one square mile a canyon we're talking about this specific buck Mm -hmm. right now we're going right into the story yeah yeah Yeah. uh okay so sean dennison put in with me he and i went down there and i'm just i'm just i'm just happy to be back in that unit it's my favorite tracking unit all i care about when i get there and that's what i told tim tim bailey with uh dead right there outfitters that's how i got the the permits right we went through his 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 outfit to get the permits guided draw and then we yeah because i can't get permits anymore i got a i got a really good friend that's an outfitter that has it's kind of open that time of year why not right i want the tag i want to go hunting i'm not too too proud to say i went with an outfitter shoot so i went with tim tim got the intel from locals that there's a really there's a really big forked in the back giant three-point living right there it was a three-point that probably would even got jason carter excited (laughs) (laughs) it's a big three-point and so we were after him but there was kept, but we didn't know specifically exactly what this giant buck was. We just knew people would talk about like there's two different bucks, right? Oh, the giant buck over in so and so canyon, and then some people would say, oh, that big three point in so and so canyon. Well, is it the giant buck or is it the giant? Turns out, giant buck and three point running together. Two different bucks. They're running together. So when Sean gets there, I'm like, I'm just gonna do the whole. I'm gonna sit back. I want Sean to kill a New Mexico buck. He's never got one. So uh, Tim's like, there's a big three-point over here in this canyon. We need to get a bullet in him. Somebody said, you know, he crossed the highway right here every day. We need to get a bullet in him. So that's where we went. On day one, we tried to find that buck. We, we found two ear-with three-points, and Sean's not a uh, trophy hunter by any means. But he did kill a nice 175 buck in Colorado last year, so he wanted something a little bigger if he could find it, you know, or something mature. You know what I mean? And we, we found two nice three-points. He didn't shoot one. That'll come into play later, why I didn't shoot the buck. So there's two nice two-year-old three-points running together that go across the sage flat up on this bench. And we just decided not to shoot them. Sean didn't want them. And so we kept hunting that same little ridge on day one and never saw, never laid eyes on the big bucks. Day two, we're literally glassing off this ridge right down to the highway. Like the highway is 200 yards from me. 
and I'm hunting between this ridge and the highway looking for this buck because I'm like, if he feeds in that ditch every night, he's just going at one bench and bedding right here. Mm-hmm. So I'm, and so I told Tim, I was like, hey, I'm going to get up on the very top of this ridge. I'm going to go way out to the east end of it. Sean, you stay facing the north edge of it. And, Tim, you just walk the bottom. Go down between us and the highway and just start zigzagging, walking that stuff out. Let's see if we can get that buck on his feet and see him. So he goes the first half mile. And and if you listen to Duggar's podcast, there's a key there, right, a tactic that you guys are using that I'll never forget how Duggar put it, is the game doesn't start until you know where that buck is right. and, he's, and he's on his feet, so yes. to speak, right? Yeah. So you this, can, this whole, you know, this whole thought of like, oh, I don't want to go and be blowing him out, you know, because no, we, we might not. Blow him out. Get please, him on his yeah. feet and then we'll go track him down. It's this such is, an interesting perspective, right? Yeah. yeah. And I learned that from Duggar. Well, we've got to lay eyes on this deer and we're not going to know he's even on this ridge. Let's get him on his feet because Duggar has all the confidence. We'll find him. We'll catch him. We'll track him down and that's what we were going to do. And so, and Tim's a great tracker and he's a good walker. He gets bucked up he knows where to look to get bucks up great outfitter and guy and friend he's just good at it so he, he gets down there and he gets this deer up or he, he gets walking and the, he goes a half mile we don't bust even a doe out of there so then we shift so now sean comes past me okay and i go out so i'm on the east end of this ridge sean's watching the north so here's the highway right i'm using my hands you can see me so here's the highway here's this parallel ridge to the highway sean's on the north side of the ridge watching this bench i go down to this point and I'm down here watching this, right? Tim goes down to the highway, and he walks like this. We get to the end. He stops. He radios me. Hey, I'm to the end. I said, stop. Stay right there. Now, I'm going to walk over here and look off this side. Sean, you walk down a little further over here in case dear Jay Hook comes back. So you're keep, old, a, keep an eyes on Keep an eyes on all every, 360, everything we can see, right? So I get over there now. I'm looking off to the southwest, southeast i'm looking to the southeast now and tim starts walking all of a sudden the radio cracks comes on and tim's losing his ever-loving mind big buck giant buck cheaters trash 30 wide uh, <laughs> blah 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 he just starts and he goes going to the southeast going to the southeast i never use radios but we needed to keep up with each other what was going on on this so we had radios with earpieces in right so tim i can tell by tim's demeanor his cadence he just saw something big because tim Tim knows big deer, and he's jacked. So I'm, I take off running, right? I take off running down. I can tell from where Tim just walked to where that buck, Tim could have shot that deer at 50 yards if he'd been the shooter, as always, right? The guy walking could shoot the yeah. deer, and the guy <laughs> setting point. Well, I run to the, uh, I, I run a little further south, and I see, I see all three bucks, or I see both bucks crossing Sage Flat. I don't know if they're 450 or 850, but all I know is I got a 257 Weatherby Magnum, <laughs> and I start Kentucky wind into them bad boys. I get on that biggest one, man, and I put it right on his neck, and I shoot, boom, nothing happened. I don't know where I hit. Then I put it out in front of his nose, shot, <laughs> boom, I don't know where it hit. So then I put it out, and, and I, so I was like, he's really far now, and they're not really running. They're just kind of just getting ready to get up to this bench, and they're a long way across there. So he finally stops. And uh, I hold a little hide, shoot again. Nothing. Didn't cut a hair on him. Tim comes over. Holy smokes, you get him? I'm like, no, man, but I was sure gunning at him, thinking I could hit him. Well, it turns out he was 650, and that's just too far. You know, and I don't know how far it is. I'm just going to be honest with you, but I'm not going to let that size deer run off without getting a bullet in him. I was going to get him, break him down, go over there and get him, whatever. And uh, so I missed him. And so then we just – and only I – so – Tim saw him from 50 yards away, taking off running, and then Sean never saw him, but I saw him through my scope on 14 power for, you know, three shots worth, and then just watched him through my scope go over the ridge. So I'm like, no, I didn't hit him. And then finally I'm like, I'm going to range that. Or Tim actually ranged it. He goes to the – because I said, I didn't start shooting until they came out of the Royo. He goes, Royal 650, bro. I'm like, okay. And he's like, <laughs> So need- I was low. <laughs> All right, so I was low. I never even – they didn't even know I was shooting at them most likely. You know, they didn't even hear the bullets. So we wait like an hour. We waited about an hour, and I'm like, we knew what we are going to do. Let's just go pick up the tracks and go hunting. Go track them down. Because that was almost just like a pregame. Yeah. yeah. We're just like, okay, now we got him up. Now we know the caliber. I saw the – and I never really saw what the other buck was. I could tell it was a big buck, but I didn't identify him as the, as the three-point. But I knew the big buck was the big buck, right? So we get Sean to an area. We go down there and get Sean set up to where he can kind of watch for the J hook or where the deer might come blowing out of there if we bump them. And then Tim and I got on the track and I'm just walking, I'm walking with Tim kind of parallel on him. 
And Tim's looking at tracks, and I'm looking ahead, trying to get the deer. And we went a mile, mile and a half on the track, good track in that sandy soil. I mean, we just got we we found the tracks right away, and we were able to stay on them unbroken for a mile and a half. But they they were headed right towards some private land. There's a barbed wire fence there, and below that's a river. And so, we we stop about 50 yards shy of the fence, and the tracks turn and parallel the fence and start going back to the south. And I had to, I had to, I had to relieve myself. You know, I take a whiz, man. So I stopped, and Tim's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna take a whiz." So me and Tim are standing there taking, <laughs> taking a leak. And he goes, hey, "Hey, there's a deer!" Man, he stops, zips up real quick, puts his glasses up. And there's a deer bedded on this little clay hillside, about 300 yards away. And we're looking and looking and looking. We can't make any antlers out on it. But if you looked on the ground, the tracks lead straight to that deer, <laughs> but we can't see antlers. So. We kind of drop down in this little coulee and get around and come back up on this little little hillside, and there's a stump, and I lay my pack on the stump, and I got my rifle on it on 14 power. I get my par- parallax adjusted to where crystal clear. I mean, I got it perfect. T- Tim ranges it 285. He puts his camera on his phone scope, uh, on, his, on his 60 power Swarovski, and he films this deer. And then it's, it, it's like that for 55 minutes. I've got my crosshairs on that deer's rib cage for 55 minutes. The way the deer was laying, his head is up. You've seen the picture, right? Mm-hmm. The deer's head's up in the cedar tree, and I can't see anything. We can't make out any horns at all, any antlers at all. Well, the video is embarrassing. I hope I told Timmy race that and never want it because you don't know. When you know you have a world-class deer and your crosshairs are on him, but you don't know it's him, you say some really stupid stuff, man. <laughs> and we're just like – and so there were three times – I'm going to call – I'm going to write an article. I'm going to call it Pound and a Half from Glory because I have a three-pound trigger on my Weatherby, and I had a pound and a half of that pulled out twice, three times, <laughs> where I flipped the safety off, and I would just say, screw it, man, I'm shooting him. Can you see antlers? Yeah, I can see something, but I don't know which buck it is. Screw it, I'm shooting him. And I'd pull about half that trigger p- poundage out. Ah, I'd stop. I don't want – and for the first 30 minutes, I couldn't even tell it was a doe or not, right? So I, that, But after he decided, Tim said, I think I can see some antler. I think I can see some antler. And I'm like, does it have forks? Is it legal? I'm pretty sure. Well, man, it's got to have a fork. And what would, I didn't want to shoot a two-year-old fork and horn, one-year-old fork and horn. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's those young three points. But I'm like, man, I have all the time in the world. I don't have to do nothing, right? Three times. How how was the setup as far as I mean? Did you have all his escape routes covered, or was it like no? Because it was a sea of just just yeah. It was not big country. <clears throat> it was a clay hill, gentle, gentle, gentle clay hills. So he with he could have been he, he could just stand up and walk away. I'd never yeah, see him. Yeah. yeah. So there was no way to get in front of him or nothing. Uh, the one thing I yeah, I'll get to that in a minute. So I finally Tim's like, "What do you mean to do, man? Like, we need to do something." I'm like, "You know what, man." You're going to have to get around to see if you can see what this deer is. And Tim didn't move nowhere. He didn't go nowhere, and the buck stood up. And when he stood up, now he's even more in the cedars. I can't see nothing. What happened was the big – that, and it was the big, the big buck. Broadside to me, clear shot at his vitals for two, 285 yards. Like One, dead deer, man. So one he, and a half pound trigger pull. Pound and, all I had to do was give another pound and a half and let the gun surprise me and I'd be sitting there talking about a 210-inch a 4x3, mm. basically. It's gigantic deer. So the three-point was bedded facing us. He saw Tim through the cedars moving with his orange hat on. Like, we don't have to wear orange, but I always do on gun hunts. If I gun hunt, you're going to wear orange. I, I just I prefer it. Because I don't want to make mistakes either, right? And so in New Mexico, you don't have to wear any. But I told Tim, wear an orange hat. Which Tim's got an orange hat on. He stands up. He moves. Three-point sees it. The two bucks get up, and then they walk out of sight. And Tim's, like, freaking, like, dude, 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 they're, they're this or that. The other, I'm like, well, let's just, what we're going to do, we stand there for a minute. We walk that way. And we think we're going to walk and pick their tracks up again. So I wanted to get up high. I wanted to get to the very top of the clay hill where I could look down and shoot them below me somewhere. We run right into them again at 50 yards, broadside, standing there staring at us. <laughs> and they take off, man, and they, they, they just blaze through that cedar. You have no shot, and they're gone, man. And there we tracked them for – from there, we went back, found Sean, got their tracks. They crossed the highway. We tracked those deer by onyx or by tracks on GPS – Straight line, seven and a half miles, tracks nine miles. We tracked that deer. Seriously? Yeah. Until So this all starts about 10 o'clock in the morning, and we stopped about 530 in the evening. 
and just said, yeah, you know, we're just beat. Let's just. Were you like kicking them, jumping them, kicking them, jumping? We bumped him one more time. So there was at one point. He was 50 yards from a main oil well road, walking down the side of an arroyo in plain sight. Someone could have drove down that road Smoked at him. noon and shot him from the truck at 100 yards if someone would have came down that road hunting. That deer walked down the arroyo, broad daylight, middle of the day. Those two bucks did. Anyway, they go north, and we could never pick their tracks back up. We lose them in a jungle of cedar and rim rock, and we never pick them up again. And I told everybody right then, I'm done I'm only going to hunt this deer, rest of the hunt. I'm not going anywhere else in the unit. Sean was okay with that, and Sean and I hunted that deer for a couple more days. And Sean left and went to uh, Kansas on a whitetail hunt. He was going to meet his son there. He was going to cut his hunt short a day early anyway. So he left the last day, man. I'm there, and the old mojo himself came out, man. <laughs> I'm like, it's done now. Yeah. It's done. I'm going to kill him, you know, because me and Doug are just like, we just do stuff like that, right? So, so hold on. <clears throat> when you tracked them for that, you know, seven or nine miles or whatever, at that point, are you assuming that they're in a new location or like what, where, where is your, cause to me that opens up your range now of like 10 miles, right? Yeah. Like, it's a, it's a narrow Canyon. It runs North and South and crosses a highway. <clears throat> I keep talking. Everybody's going to key right in on where I was at. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's just you whatever. You don't need to be. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I went, we went North and, um, I knew that deer was going to have to go to water. It was hot. We were in T-shirts that day. It was November, the, the end of October, 70, 80 degrees still out, right? Yeah. Middle of the day. And we ran that deer hard chasing him. And, I mean, never saw him. But that deer knew. Because you know how deer are. Once they get going, they're going to get the wind in their favor. He knew. He was going with the wind at his back, coming from his backside. So we're, we're, he's got our wind the whole time. I mean, he, he knows we're behind him coming. But he knows we're coming. And we went after him that whole day. And then um, – he goes north. I'm like, Tim, we got to find water. So I, so I spent the next two days just looking for water north of the highway because I knew that's where the buck would go. There was another outfitter that knows about that deer that had been hunting him for three years. And that's why you've never seen me. It's been hard to tell this story, right? Because, like, this would have been my biggest buck. And there's no justice in hunting, man. There's just no justice in public land hunting for sure. And I just got – I feel like I just got – I just got – I just – I got mistreated, man. You know, just <laughs> it's just bad, you know. It's like I don't understand why. Only the father knows why all that happened and I'll I'll figure it out someday later, right? But I don't know why that happened to me. But here's what I do know. I never found the water. Duggar shows up the last day and Duggar goes, We need to find water. I'm like, I know, man, I can't find it. Me and him went north looking for the water. We couldn't find it either on on X or nothing. But the outfitter up that knew about that deer knew exactly where that water was, right? <laughs> <laughs> he had summertime pictures of him in that water. He lived there more than he lived where I found him. I found him on an off day on that side of the highway, but he really lived up there the most, they said. Because they'd been watching him for three years. Uh, a governor tag hunter came and hunted that deer. A rifle hunter missed him. A muzzleloader rifle, a muzzleloader hunter this year missed him. And I had him at 285 with my finger on the trigger and didn't pull it. Deer had nine lives, man. Yeah. So this leads to this. Me and Duggar look, sunsets, Duggar goes home, we hug, part ways. Didn't get him. There was a youth hunt coming up there in three weeks. And so I reached out to the outfitter that I wanted pictures of that deer. So I reached out to the outfitter. It's Anthony Hampton. I mean, Hampton Outfitters knew about the deer. And I didn't know him, but T Jeremy told me. One of his guy, his brother, knew about that deer, came to keep tabs on the deer during the rifle hunt and saw us and was about to have a heart attack. He's like, holy that's Mark Smith, Jeremy Duggar. They're on our buck. Like, they knew we are going to kill them, The last right? two guys you want chasing your deer. Well, they just know we're successful together, right? And we had Tim with us, and they knew. These are guys that are hardcore. They're going to they're gonna kill him. Damn, they're going to get the buck. Well, we didn't. And so I reached out and I said, hey, you got any trail cam pics or summer pics? I want to see the deer I didn't get. He sends me video and pictures and it make you sick, right? Because he had it all summer. And he, and he goes, hey, I just don't want to share it. I was like, no, man, out of respect for you and the unit, because his daughter had the tag for the youth hunt. They had clients that had the youth hunt. And one of Tim's clients had the youth hunt. A friend, a friend had the youth hunt. So I never posted a thing about that hunt. I just said, I got a story to tell y'all someday, and that's all I'm going to tell you right now. And so I never posted anything till last week. They did, though, like as soon as they – so here's what happened. They went out there to scout for the youth hunt. In the exact proximity of where I lost tracks, they found the buck dead, line killed. Mm. And the carcass looked to be about three weeks old. I literally think 
I believe that deer was eight or nine years old because he was he was like two thirty last year, and he was he was two ten this year as a four by three with trash, and I think he was old. And I think I just ran him to he was so tired that he lost his snap, man. I think it just made him easier for a mountain lion to pound on him because they found him lying killed and because there was big bite marks on the nose where he broke the bridge of the nose where a mountain lion jumps on them and they bite on their yep. bridge of their noses and break that down, smother them, suffocate them. Yep. And I, I, I don't – I'm not saying that. There's this part of me that thinks that's kind of cool and there's part of me that just like – there's consequences to our actions this this is a senior citizen buck, man, and I ran him down and got him killed by a mountain lion. I don't know how I feel about that, and I really believe we did that. I think that's what happened. Um, the guy finds it, and it's giant. There's just a little bit of red meat left on the carcass. It's just a backbone, some ribs and the head, some hair on the face, and it looked like it had been dead three weeks, yeah. right? So none of my bullets touched it. We know that. We never found one spot of blood. I didn't hit that deer. I never heard the whop or nothing, so I know I didn't hit him. I don't think anybody else shot at him. I think uh, that night he was just super, super tired up by that water trough, and that's where he died, right by the water trough that the outfitter knew about in that area, and he was dead there. And uh, he, the guy went and got a permit from the state so he could pick it up because you can't pick up deadheads in New Mexico, but he went and told the Division of Wildlife, and they sold him a permit to go get it, and he got the head, and I'm glad that he did. I'll get to hold it someday and look at it. I might, I might even have replicas made of it. It's that big, you know. And um, he found it, and uh, that t- comes back to some people say, Who's the best mule deer hunter you know? Well, it, it certainly isn't me. And uh, sometimes I think it's Duggar. And sometimes I think it's Jason Carter. Sometimes I think it's Ryan Hatch. You know, there's these great, great mule deer hunters. But realistically, none of us hold a freaking candle to a mountain lion. They're the best, man. <laughs> and uh, mountain lions, there's two things I hate in this world as a mule deer lover. It's poachers and mountain lions. And they're both opportunists. And they kill the biggest bucks, right? Big old solitary bucks. They go out and live by themselves. And that's why you find so many giant head deadheads out because they're just easy because they're not living. They're antisocial creatures. They're not socializing. So when a mountain lion looks out there and there's 15 does, that's 30 eyes. I'm not going to go eat one of them. That big old buck over there snoring, he's an old man. He can't hear good no more. (laughs) I'm going to go kill him, right? That's why mountain lions eat big giant bucks. Well... I'm going to start hunting like a mountain lion, man. Start thinking, how's a mountain lion? I'm going to hunt around troughs. I'm going to hunt around water troughs. I'm going to hunt around food sources. I'm going to go out on those knobs where old bucks go out and live solitary life. That's kind of where I'm going, especially in the New Mexico hunts. Timberline, and then, you know, I have three examples of timberline bucks I killed that I watched for days. And eventually they got antisocial with their bachelor groups in the summer. And when they moved off, my big 186 buck I killed in 204 or 2004. <clears throat> I watched him seven days. On the seventh day, he left the herd of little bucks, went out on a bench in a rim rock by himself, and that's when I killed him in his bed, remember? I watched my, for that. My big Colorado muzzy buck all alone, you know, September 19th or whatever. I mean, and, and you know, I'll be honest, that was the first, you know, I laid eyes on him for 30 minutes before I ever knew he existed and killed him, you know, yep. so who knows what the heck was going on in his right. life, but. But he was alone. I mean, yep. just big, you know, I don't I don't think that was an overly old buck. You know, I think he's in that four and a half, five and a half range probably. But that big buck you killed in Utah a few years ago, that big one you killed. And that oh, was, the gnarly, yeah, like that's two by amazing, three? That you went out in the middle of nowhere and found him living by himself, didn't you? Or was he with well, other bucks? Well, so he, he, was, uh, he wasn't with other bucks. In fact, he was extremely low elevation for the time of year. Um, because he was, I think he's a stag. Yeah. And so he was like, he had a couple of, well, that's not even true. When we found him, you're right. The morning that, so the morning that we killed him, I mean, he had, you know, we saw him the, yeah, no, he kind of peeled off from the group, man. See, looking at the, looking at your photos, I don't know nothing about it, but I looked at your photos. I looked at the terrain and the kind of buck that was tells me he was a loner. He was kind of in a spot where he didn't want to be jacked with he was yeah. just kind of out by himself well and he had his he had different motives you know or yeah. lack of motives yeah yeah he's a weirdo nobody he's wanted a, to mess with him yeah so. well i don't think he was into does you right. know um in the way that most was he castrated would. or did he have uh, an injury i think he if i remember right um and i'm trying to remember now but i think he just had like extremely shriveled man yeah. parts you know he's yeah. just which i think is common of a stag but uh, in my hunting career i've seen three mule deer mature bucks that were stags that had scars um, on the inside of their hams and their testicles were either mutilated or gone. Hmm. 
and they come with mountain lions trying to catch them. They'll catch them between the leg down there sometimes, and I think it castrates them. Wow. And then they turn into cactus bucks. So they get, if they get away and survive it, and if they got antlers, you know, if they're in the growing season, then they just become stag bucks, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen three of them like that in my lifetime. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was kind of that way. Um, anyway, not can't remember where I started with that, but. Well, we're just talking about your, your, oh, yeah, you said the, your Colorado the buck Colorado by himself. Buck. He's yeah. by himself, yep. Yeah. So if I see, so here's the deal. And I've been saying this for quite a few years now. I don't need to go see a ton of deer. I just need to see the right deer. And one thing I'm learning is if I'm seeing a ton of deer, I'm not, I'm not in the right spot. <laughs> not for the ones I want to shoot. Now, at this age of my life, I'm trying to kill that, that next. And you know, everybody knows me, probably listening to these podcasts. I know I'm not a trophy hunter. I'm a mature deer hunter. But I do have a goal, a lifetime goal of shooting at least one 200-incher. And if I'm, if I'm hunting buck groups with three-year-old bucks chasing does, obviously the buck I'm after is not around. And so, and, and, and where am I ever going to hunt with a rifle in the rut or with a bow in the rut? Real, realistically, they always call that hunt in New Mexico a rut hunt, but it's not. It's way past the rut. And so, and the deer I want to shoot aren't in Arizona. I mean, they're just not on that general hunt. There's a few, but not enough for me to put any interest in it. So, yeah. So where, you know, transitioning into that and we're right in the middle of application season. I mean, where do you, where does a guy do the most damage you know, what's your, what's your short-term, long-term play, so to All speak? Right. I want to have fun and hunt deer. <clears throat> I'm back into bow hunting heavy right now, man. I, you know, um, I, 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 I'm back with Team Hoyt now. I'm, you know, I'm back as on the pro staff with Hoyt, and that just brought the joy of bow hunting back into my life more than I could ever imagine, man. So I've got some, I've got, and I want to go hardcore back to my old roots. So I've got, a, I've got some high country bow hunts planned this year. I've got some... Uh, I may even have an elk hunt in the docket that just popped up. You don't know about it yet, but I'll tell you about it later. But I've got some, I've got some high country, back country, backpack style hunts coming this year just to get out and have fun with the goal of shoot the biggest buck I can find. But if I see a 160 class four point on day one, I'm going to kill it with my bow just because I like shooting those bucks. But for big buck hunting, I'm going to take the Duggar approach going forward. I'm going to look for opportunity. I'm going to be like... <laughs> My, you know, like poachers and mountain lions, they're, they're hunters of opportunity that kill the giant bucks. I'm going to wait till intel comes my way. I'm going to wait till I get intel. And then, and having people that, great friends that live in great mule deer country. So basically all I got to do is wait for Duggar to call me and say, hey, we're going to uh, circle back and hunt this unit. Um, I found two. I found one we need to kill. Duggar and me both, we just want to be around each other when we kill big bucks. So if he has a tag or if I have the tag, it don't matter. And I'd be the same way with you the more I hunt with you. You'd be like, hey, man, I got this tag. It's for, and I know there's a giant buck. I want you to be there, man. Okay, I'll come hunt with you. I'll do it well, in a second, you know. And so I'm waiting for opportunity on intel for specific hunts but i'm either going to put in for quality premium hunts like some of the best hunts in new mexico the best hunts in utah the best hunts where i'm either going to get something great or nothing at all i'm not going to have a bunch of second choice garbage is what i'm saying now colorado i'm going to keep doing my every other year migration route hunt there just for as long as that till i play that thing out because i'll eventually shoot a boon there i already had my buck dead sean had his buck dead and buck dugger had his buck dead there two years ago and uh, we were packing Sean's buck out, ran into a 195-inch buck with an inline that would have, would have netted Boone easy at 40 yards, just walking down the trail <laughs> so, in the migration route. So I'm going to keep hunting that till that 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 stops. You know, I can't get the tags no more. Talk real quick, because um, you kind of skimmed over uh, something that I think is important for guys who don't <clears throat> live right in mule deer country, but still want you know, to have a realistic chance of finding or killing or being in an area to hunt a big, big buck. And that is, you know, relying on guys who are there. Right. And, right. and so what I, the perspective that I want, or the, the advice that I want you to give is, you know, you obviously didn't just meet Duggar yesterday and there's obviously, um, you know, what, let me, let me ask it a different way. I mean, how does a guy go about building up the equity with someone to where he can, you know, he's got a, a, a muley mojo type guy that, that lives out here that calls him up and says, hey, you know, it's time, let's go hunt this unit or whatever. Because it's, it's unique and it's special. And I, I, I know that you appreciate it. Yeah. And I also know that you've earned it with, with Duggar, right? I know both of you pretty well. Yeah. Um, and I know how much you've scratched each other's back, but I want you to tell that story 
so that some, I, I got a lot of listeners in Texas, surprisingly. Um, and so yeah, I want you to help those type of guys just broadly, you know, how do you go about that? Is it, I'll, go ahead. I don't know how I could ever do it again, but one of my favorite lines that I've heard you say in a couple of different podcasts, if you, if you, if you want a friend, be a friend. You say that a lot, and that's a great, great thing. And I think that's something you and I share as friends is we, we nurture our friendship. We keep it in check. And, I mean, we've, we've, we've had little spits here and there over <laughs> stupid things about just just, I, just do it. Most of it's coming at it the wrong way in a text where it but came it, across But wrong. it needed to be cleared. Yeah, and so I'm like, um, uh, uh, and, and you, you, you are a person that you, you're edgy. You're quick to go to battle. <laughs> You'll do it. And I like that. So I realize now that, ah, oh, man, I came in real hard at you one time with a question about a unit, and, and, and you came back hard. But – but I love you enough and cared about you enough to clear it right away. Hey, 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 hey. Well, I think we went down the wrong road on this. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. And we no, bro-hugged it out. No. And you bro-hugged it out. And we moved on. We're friends because I want to be a friend and I want to have a friend. And I think I don't know how to tell somebody to have what I've got. I don't. That was just purely by the grace of God, my whole story fell into play where I've met Duggar. But I would say this. If you're sitting in Texas right now and you want to hunt somewhere out west and you have a friend in Utah, and man, let's just say, just say a guy living in Houston, Texas, has a friend that lives in Salt Lake City, and they've been talking. They become kind of buddies. When that guy draws a premium tag, come be a friend. Come be a Sherpa for him. Come pack for him. Come be around that experience, and 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 have you're going to build the equity of being there with him at a fine moment in his life, and that's going to create this bond that no one can break. And, and so when your turn comes. And you've got the tag, he's going to do the same for you. That's the only way I know how to answer that, man. Yeah, I think I think you nailed it, right? Uh, people from the the east or the Midwest or whatever, I don't think they always fully understand the magnitude of some of these draw tags that guys get out here. Yeah, you know, like when I draw a moose tag from the Western Hunt Expo last year, that's a big deal. That is a big deal. Yeah, and the fact that I had. 11 of us total and you know a couple of them one is my brother and my dad and uncle but like i had six or seven or eight guys who i knew but i didn't like you know we weren't homies like you know we hadn't hunted together right and they just show up i know to pack my ball i wanted out. to be one of those guys too and something happened i couldn't but i wanted to <clears throat> Because I'm going to get it this year, you know. I'm going to get the moose tag. I'm pretty sure of it. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we've got our, you know, that has nothing to do with you and I are fine, right? right. But, but the point is what you're saying, I mean, yeah, sometimes all you can do is just show up when you don't have the tag, yeah. you know. Um, and that goes another le le layer deeper because so many guys from the Midwest or the East, they they get they paint this, you know, how they think it's going to go and they – they, they actually draw their tag and they come hunt their whatever, you know, Colorado archery elk tag, and they get absolutely hammered. They get it handed to them because it's the first time they've ever hunted elk, right? Right. They might even put their tail between their legs and never come back, right? Yeah. But if you've been out on your buddies who lives in Utah's limited entry tag a few times or, you know, you, I mean, I remember when I was, when I was first getting into this, anybody I knew that had a limited entry tag. I was just—I didn't even ask. I was just showing up. Yep. <laughs> like you—you you could not keep me away it's from. It's how you a, learn units. And it's how you learn units and, and people. And guess what? And then you know they reciprocate. Um, you know, I went on my uncle's elk tag, his premium dry elk tag, the year before, and then he showed up and helped me pack my moose out. So, yeah, that's—I think that's as good advice as you can give. You know, to someone who's out away from this but wants to be in it and wants to have that kind of intel, so to speak. Yeah. You know, I'm a standalone guy, and I've got my own pride, and I've built my own name, and I've done all this stuff for myself, but I'm no fool. I, I learned mule deer. When it comes to New Mexico especially, Colorado, I hold my own. That's my ground. That's my spot. But New Mexico, I'm the student always with Duggar. And, you know, I, I, when I show up there, and I listen to our podcast we did about him back when we killed those big bucks, I show up knowing I'm second fiddle. If he's got a tag and i got a tag, I'm second fiddle. That's when you understand that, that just makes everything so much easier. There is never a question about who's the shooter. Your best friend that lives there that puts all the equity, all the sweat into that thing, when you show up, just show up. And then and, and just know that respect his space and time. 
and the work he puts into it. And I've done that since day one. I always felt special. I've always felt super special to have him as my friend. And I've never taken one second or day of it for granted. And I've always kept that in check. And, you know, there's times we'll get to arguments over who needs to shoot stuff. It's just <laughs> that's, that's when you're the right way, right? Yeah. And, and, and I would be that. If, like I told you in that podcast, too, if I ever showed up to Montana or Wyoming. Or you, Wyoming. Wyoming. If I showed up with you and you're like, hey, there's these two bucks on this ridge. And I know you live there and you spent all of the time. I'm just going to you – just, you just tell me when I can shoot, which buck you – after I'm, – I'm, I'm not ever going to get in your way is what I'm saying. And I think people need to keep that in check. And I think that just want a friend, be a friend, man. That's all I can say. Yeah. I well, love it. Good stuff, man. What a heartbreak. Yeah. That was hard to talk about, and I didn't talk about it because I, I didn't even believe it happened to me. And I've had mixed reviews. There are people that said I'd have pulled the trigger. And there's people that said, Robbie Denning, I told him the story, and he's like, you passed the test, brother. You passed the test. You, you, you win. You, you don't have the buck, but you win because your integrity's in check, and you've got the greatest deer hunting story to tell. I'm like, yeah, but I don't want a great deer hunting story. I want a 200-incher <laughs> on my wall. Thanks, thanks for like, nothing, Robbie. Yeah, him and Duggar both are great men of faith, and I know you are too, but both of those guys said, man, you don't even know what, what greatness lies ahead for you now. I don't know if that's true or not, but I believe my friends, and I believe it, and I hope so, and I'm going to keep putting in for areas where I can do it, and I don't, I'm not, I don't deserve anything. I'm not, nothing's, I don't, I don't have anything coming to me because of karma or because I'm a good guy. I just know I've done the work and I've had the heartbreaks. I would like a little bit of the glory, man. Like uh, Nacho said, just a little bit of the glory, just what it tastes like. I just want a little bit, man. You know, I just want a little bit. I want a wean. <laughs> yeah. So I, we'll see, man. I, I just want to keep hunting though, man. And, and uh, I want to keep hunting and having great success and coming back here and telling my hunting stories and just keep building these relationships man that's really the funnest the best parts of it now for me until until my grandsons get old enough to hit the mountains and i'll have them out here with me too you know yeah and i i know you and that's that's what you uh you know that's what you really are <clears throat> that's what you're you're really in it for right is just the you know everything everything but the trophy hey robbie denning come here say hi on the podcast hey people hey people my we, man showing up with the little roasted nuts huh? roasted nuts yeah i got muley slayer eat on. one on radio right now thanks robbie thanks buddy when robbie denning walks in you give him the mic yeah no no man we had the mic last week we did have the like no but we're getting we just told the story the pound <laughs> and a half from glory story oh man heartbreaker I never got him the story because I got COVID, and then I just got too busy getting back to work. But I did give him my the oh, forward. So we we just got the full scoop. So awesome! Can't wait to hear him. I will listen. Yeah. I'll find you. Hey, there's a guy. Glad you made it. Where's your voice? Are they here? After your seminar, after your seminar, there's a guy I met on the floor that's a huge fan Sorry. of both of ours. He wants a picture with us. This South is we'll this is Hunt Expo. When people walk in and out of the booth, you gotta yeah. drop everything. <laughs> Okay, well, speaking of clowns, look at this guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, we better wrap up. You got, right, a, man. You got a seminar coming. and uh, Yeah, 3 o'clock. I got to go back to my hotel and get all my yeah, giveaway you stuff. Yeah, grab some stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, you've been on the podcast. People can find you at Muley Slayer 1. Give me some fire rounds, man. I want to answer some fire Dude, rounds. Dude, I haven't done a fire round forever. You're okay. putting, putting me on the spot. Um, <clears throat> okay. Mule deer or whitetail? That'd be a tough one, see? Because I'm a mule deer or whitetail. I got my best East Texas whitetail this year, so I'm kind of satisfied there, man. So right now it's mule deer. How big do deer get in East Texas? They like, don't get very big. Um, the biggest, a really giant's 150. A real wild one. No fences, no games, no feed plan, just hunting river bottom deer. So 150 is huge, and I killed a 130 this year. So it was amazing, eight points. 160 East Texas whitetail or a 204-inch 204-inch mule. mule deer. <laughs> it was, I said I was going to say elk. Yeah, 200-inch elk. I've already elk. killed some 204-inch <laughs> elk. Oh, oh gotcha. <laughs> yeah, uh, fixed, not mechanical. Fixed, not Compound, mechanical. Compound, not recurve. Um, I know you're a gun works guy, but I'm a Weatherby guy. 257 Weatherby. That's fine. We've already answered that before. Classic. Badlands packs. <laughs> this is turning into a, a sponsorship. I'm just telling you what I like, man. I'm <laughs> my fire around. I'm answering everything. Uh, uh, Western Hunt Expo, not ATA. Yeah, I gave I gave the uh, yeah Swarovski, <laughs> not Zeiss. There you go. No, I'm a loophole guy. <laughs> there you well, go. I'm a loophole scope guy. 
but I'm a Vortex optics guy. I'm a hunting optics, so they, they've taken care of me. So I got you. Anyway. Well, pleasure having you on, bud. My, my pleasure, man. Yep. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Yep. Always, always fun, and I uh, look forward to sitting in the seminar later. All right, bro. Later. Right. Yep. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Finding Backcountry podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends. But the best thing you can do, leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For notes and links to this and other episodes, please visit findingbackcountry.com.